Everybody, welcome to the Rendition Pod. We like to talk about the book versus movie conversation. Uh, all of the stories out there in the world—they've been made into a million different things. So we're just here to talk about the different versions. Uh, covering our literature, we've got Ashley. Hello. Hello. Uh, and then over on our film, we've got Judith. There was a question about whether or not we could re-record this episode mm-hmm. as effectively as we did. The first time. Yeah. And I just want my fellow podcasters mm-hmm. and our producer here to know yeah. that um, at, at everything I attempt yeah. is, is I'm good at it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Recording an episode about Ready Player One the first time. Yeah. yeah. 100% perfect. Uh-huh. Nailed it. Re-recording the episode. Was, 100% perfect. Yeah. You guys missed it. It was um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's issuing a challenge right now. Uh, she's uh, she's raising the bar, and hopefully we'll rise to that. But yeah, for those of you listening to this, uh, we recorded Ready Player One uh, a while ago, and then uh, it was lost in the chaos, um, so we're re-recording. So we're really hoping that we can hit all of our points again uh, and maybe come up with some new ones uh, for you. So, All right, so... We're covering Ready Player One, and for those of you that haven't read or watched it, uh, and for some reason are listening to this podcast, spoiler alert. Um, so, uh, if you continue and get uh, irritated by that, then I have no pity for you. So, um, all right. So, Ready Player. Wait, Play- I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Do you know how people are like? They get offended at like content warnings and trigger yeah. warnings, I mean, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, like these sensitive snowflakes. Like, just watch the movie. Just watch the YouTube video. Just mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. Right? right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. don't." make people do all this like coddling bullshit. Right, right. Okay. People that insist on spoiler warnings and yeah. things like that are like, that's like, that's like the same group of people. Like <laughs> the people that are like, Oh, like fuck these SJWs and mm-hmm. their trigger warnings. Mm-hmm. Those are the same people that are like uh, spoiler alert, please. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, usually yeah. it's like along the same. A lines. spoiler warning is a trigger oh, warning for people. Everything. Who, yeah. 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 Who only have to care about. In this world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is in fact. So, uh, with that disclaimer in mind, we're covering Ready Player One. So this is a story by Ernest Klein. Uh, it's about a young adult uh, that grows up poor, um, gets really good at video games, uh, follows along the challenge of uh, the prodigy Halliday uh, in his virtual reality world to um, win his game and win his fortune. You know, ups and downs, lots of... Uh, romance um you know um it, it was i read and i read the book and watched the movie uh and it was an interesting cross-section of things um actually just read the book and jude just watched the movie um so we've kind of got like this nice venn diagram of conflicting storylines um because the book and the movie are definitely two separate things almost um so i don't know uh judy uh, what did you think about that movie? What did What did you think about that movie? Uh, the young man that plays the lead in mm-hmm. this movie, Wade Watts, mm-hmm. is also the kid from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, okay. Have gotcha. any of you seen that movie? No, not no? at all. Okay, it's a, oh God, it's so fucked up. It's by the dude that did um, The Favorite oh. and uh, The oh, Lobster. Yeah. yeah. And this is like about like Colin Firth's, Oh, or, no, Col- no, no, no. Colin, excuse me. Colin Farrell's family. Oh, okay. And they're all going to go sick unless he kills this kid, played by the dude that plays Wade Watts. Interesting. It's really fucked up. I was like, why does he look so familiar? I was like, why? Yeah. Was he better in that movie than he was in <clears throat> I mean, he's kind of playing like the same character. Oh, okay. Like so weird, uncomfortable, pushy, white boy. Okay. Like wide eyed yeah. and kind of like, like awkward. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
The movie. Wait, is he the kid? Is he the kid that Colin Farrell has to kill though? Oh yeah, yeah, and Colin Farrell okay, like, beats the shit out of him. So wait, so now, so I want to go back to Killing of a Sacred Deer and mm-hmm. just imagine that character is Wade Watts, ah. so I can watch him get brutalized by yeah. Colin Farrell. Uh, yeah. If Anyways, you guessed, yeah. We didn't like this story. the uh, the movies. The movie's really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. It's um. The movie is like. It, the the movie is like the years between now and 2008 never happened. <laughs> like the movie lives in this like frustratingly tone deaf, very Spielberg zone where like there was never hashtag me too, where there was like never Gamergate, where there were never these discussions about representation mm-hmm. or um, like a growing class consciousness or anything like that. Yeah. So the movie takes place in that yeah. space, but also appeals to people who grew up during that era so it's a little bit of a fuck you to i think a more diverse crowd of nerds yeah who were like maybe excited for this mm-hmm. um it's a it's definitely yeah. like a homage to spielberg that he disdains entirely as he's doing it and it's yeah it's i it's really interesting kind of balanced that way like how do you how do you take all the things that made your movies fantastic and you like specifically were uh, so Ernest Klein, when he like was going to publish his book, there was a frenzy over who would get the movie rights for it, right? And so, uh, what was it? It was uh, Warner Brothers and uh, D Line uh, starting it. And Ernest Klein had two conditions: whoever could get him uh, Spielberg to direct it, and then whoever let him do the screenplay, at least the first draft. So like, he got Spielberg. He got who he wanted. And for some reason, Spielberg took this and was like, mm, okay, yeah, this is supposed to be something like a distilling of kind of my movies, but I kind of hate every element of it. So we're going to dumb it down as much as possible. And I, I don't know. That's the vibe I got. Mostly because like the book had so many like, I, I'm not going to say <laughs> that it was the best, but it had at least a few interesting puzzles and like, I don't know, it, the, the first challenge had like a Latin verse in it and uh, and then he reduced it down to a like a race. Yeah, okay, Steve, Steven Spielberg is getting to the age where he thinks anyone under the age of 30 is like a child. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's kind of who he makes his movies for now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I guess he's always made his movies for children, but. I mean, yeah. I mean. I don't know. Um so the film is like well executed like beat wise for the for the most part like you get introduced to the stacks and the trailers and uh the society at the beginning wade watts is your plucky classic spielberg hero spielberg self insert familyless uh heart of gold street urchin type mm-hmm. yep <laughs> That is not the Wade Watts I know from the book. (laughs) He's a total total misanthrope, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but in the book, he's like kind of nobody, really. Like he's just kind of just a cipher. He's like a self-insert. Oh yeah, like all of the like mm -hmm. all all of the cringy self-insert things that Ernest Klein knew he couldn't get away with in a book. He perpetrated in the screenplay for sure mm-hmm. and which, which is like it's like steven spielberg and ernest klein work together on this because they just hated each other like <laughs> and it's full of all these references for steven spielberg's own sake he's like making this movie as an homage to himself which is insane which is also the only logical like terminus of spielberg's filmmaking career mm-hmm. is that he would end up making an homage to himself right like yeah it, like because like jj abrams whole career has been this gross 80s nostalgia Reagan worship Steven right. Spielberg worship thing. Uh, so actually JJ Abrams would have yeah, probably done a better yeah, job. But like yeah, so JJ <laughs> my, well I mean maybe but um like Steven Spielberg doesn't even I feel like recognize the yeah the JJ Abrams part of his universe because it's not original enough. Like, oh God, you know, like in, you, you know, like an in inception when Killian Murphy's character mm-hmm. is like trying to get his father's approval. Yeah. Right. And he's like, how come nothing I ever did was good enough for you? And his father was just like, oh, I want you to just do your own thing and not worry about what I think. And then that is like what sets him free. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's like JJ Abrams and Steven Spielberg, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. JJ yeah. uh, is definitely the uh, Michael Bay of sci fi. But, um, you know, it's, uh, he's, I think that would have been kind of interesting. I don't know. His takes on like fucking, Star Trek. I was like, okay, all right, JJ. All yeah, right, all right. Yeah. The the big things that stick out to me in this movie is like, so Wade 
uh, is probably one of the people most affected by the collapse of society, it seems like, right? Like, yeah. he has really no family. He has no friends. He's, like, economically precarious. You, mm-hmm. The movie tells you that, basically. Right. He should, be, he should be experiencing, like, food insecurity and water insecurity and... Just, but he just gets to play this video game all the time. Yeah, so the, it's like Steven Spielberg and Ernest Klein's idea of what a dystopia would be like for poor people, mm-hmm. not realizing that like even in your like mm-hmm. rosiest interpretation of this dystopian future, yeah. these people would be like, you know, still like, able to probably like all like entirely. yeah yeah just completely disassociated, just all like <laughs> using drugs more than likely, just yeah. you know just like completely immiserated, just like suffering like. The, the you know the victim of like many social and physical diseases and in Steven Spielberg and Klein's universe like being a poor person is just like a cute like uh, like character trait which is so annoying which is also something Spielberg does in like every other movie like yeah. he completely like um, the book? kind of puts everything he puts the middle class at the bottom of society and completely forgets about the 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 rest of society which yeah. is why like the fandom of Spielberg films is so annoying to me because they ex- just exist in an alternate reality yeah. and it's like Spielberg f- fiction is written in that alternate reality right, so it's yeah. like two steps removed from anything right. relatable and I, I think mean, that's why all the references are so annoying I mean he definitely yeah. has like the 80s movie lens where yeah. everything's a little bit rosier like uh, the book yeah. kind of fleshes out a few more of those aspects like it's it kind of kind of like I mean it t- it tries to explain you know, it tries to say like, oh, you know, the economy and the world has collapsed because of war and because like of global warming. But it's it never really does a satisfying job of that, in my opinion. Like he talks about there being, you know, nuclear bombs being dropped on cities. And I'm like, and everyone's just playing a video game? Like, it, I guess that's very, one answer to that problem. <laughs> well, at least it's like character consistency. He's myopic yeah. entirely. And, but uh, he, does, he does kind of touch on like there being drug addicts and yeah, people it, constantly like robbing one another. And so he, he does kind of touch on those aspects of the is, world building, I suppose. It is definitely a misanthropic view of poverty. Uh, not going to lie. Like uh, there's, there's almost no shining spots within like there's one old lady. There's one old lady, but she's oh, yeah. dismissed. She's dismissed as delusional, and like he doesn't have any like friends or any other bright spots within his actual real world in poverty. Everything else is just garbage. Well, and yeah, like, he, well, he doesn't have any friends because the world is falling apart, and he has like the most like boring, self-absorbed interest you could possibly have. I mean, yeah, during this yeah. time period. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and so, like in the movie, he's like a fairly like nice kid, right? Like he wants yeah. to. He wants to complete the challenges in the Oasis because he's like a huge Halliday fan, which is disturbing mm-hmm. to also. That's like being, oh God, he's like an, a, he's like an adult Disney fan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. pe- yeah, like no. pe- people that just like just obsessively consume everything Disney mm-hmm. and are like go to Disney World like twice a year. Like, like wait, like Wade Watts is that type of person completely ignoring like the, that Walt Disney was basically a Nazi and the way that they treat their workers and all of that shit. Uh, like, like that's who Wade Watts is. And like, he, he, he's like nice enough. So if he's a misanthrope in the book, that's dismissed in the film because in Steven Spielberg's universe, like you can't have a protagonist that is maybe not perfectly likable, which is who this character is. Wade Watts is completely that he's like, he goes through all of the challenges with no friction whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And the movie basically tells you that he's like the anointed one that he will solve all the challenges he gets and, and, and he does which is kind of like goes against the premise of the movie which is that like the oasis is the equalizing factor because whatever right. awful circumstances there are in the real world in the oasis everyone is equal and gets a chance mm-hmm. to get ahead on their own Not but true. he's given several advantages by like one of the makers of the game yeah uh and hello hello oh hello can you hear oh, us? I cut out for a second. Sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> and welcome back. Welcome back. Um, okay. And then, so there's, so there's all that. That's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then in his motivation for playing is to be in charge. He wants control. He wants to be the next holiday, yeah. which is weird. The movie treats that as like a 100% positive thing, even though it's really d- d- disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really good at it. And I wish they would have made the character a little nastier because at least there would have been some like pathos there. But right, right. instead he's just like dumb fucking 12 year old Indiana Jones. <laughs> fuck Steven Spielberg. Oh, fuck <laughs> this dumb fucking movie. Uh, OK, so then there's like the actual interesting character who should have been the main character. Yes. Artemis. And I think you said this about the book, too, Ash, yeah. but like Artemis and I forget her. Oh, and her real name is like Samantha. Yeah. yeah. Or something yeah, like that. that's true. Um, she is she's she's 
interested in getting control of the company because she basically wants to stop what's happening out yes. in the real world, right? Yes. She has like a yeah. she has like a she wants to make life better for other people, but but not because she understands that what is happening to everyone because of the corporations that yeah. control the world now is mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Like even even her desire for change is still like individualized. Like it can't be political. Yeah. It can't be uh, social or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. everything in every fucking Steven Spielberg movie has to come from like a place of like psychological yearning for catharsis. Like there there, yes. there are no politics. There yeah. is no history. Mm-hmm. This is like everybody just has like a cute little a baseball card type backstory, yeah. which is her thing because like her dad died working in a loyalty center for Yeah, IOI. the indentured servants. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Spielberg's treatment of Artemis, really, like, that was the thing I yeah. really actually hated about it. Because, like, okay, so yeah. in the movie, you get the stupid fucking race challenge, right? And uh, and Wade uh, figures out that he has to drive backwards, blah, blah, blah. And he gets to the end of the race. And Which is dumb. It's very it's dumb. It's so dumb. And then he gets to the end of the race, and Artemis is right behind him. And they're like, oh, you figured it out, too. She's like, oh, I just watched Wade. And I'm like, bitch, no. In the book... She figures it out before Wade does. She figures it out like a month and a half before fucking Wade does. And then and uh, she figures out the second challenge before he does, he, too. Yeah, she's way better of a... Anyway, anyway. Yeah, and then, yeah. Okay, but in the movie... And then like, they make her uh, into so, a freedom fighter yeah. for some reason. Okay, so like, so in the movie, Wade... So the movie... The, okay, God, fuck. First of all, the first like 40 <laughs> minutes of this movie is like Wade Watts voiceover. Yeah. The exposition is so long, yeah, which is another yeah. like... The whole first act is exposition and it's like all voiceover and like you're just waiting for That's it to end. That's how the book is too. Like, oh, it's God, just you're just... Info dump by after info dump and mm-hmm. it... Really, really is tedious. Um, oh God, it's like so these, it's one, like these two smart boys that think they're movie, like, but they chose not to. God, yeah. the, okay, the thing, like the reason that Ernest Klein wanted Steven Spielberg to make his book into a movie, and the reason Spielberg wanted to do it mm-hmm. is because, like, they like think they are like two people that are like uniquely intelligent in a way mm-hmm. that no one else on the fucking planet is, which yeah. is why they made this movie, yeah. which is definitely reflected in the Wade Watts character. But okay, so Wade yeah. Watts is like. Um, yeah, you can be anyone you want in this universe. And then you see his avatar, which is basically like him, except he's got like like some like scales on his face, kind of. But he basically just looks like he does in the real world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, Artemis' avatar is like a sexy fish girl. Yeah. Like she definitely got like an aquatic yeah. thing going yeah, on, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so they fall in love, of course, just like immediately. Mm-hmm. And she's rightfully like, uh, this is weird. I don't need to know who you are like i don't look like this in real life like trust me i'm like not this beautiful in the real world right <laughs> which uh so when they meet later like this girl is super hot yeah this girl is yeah. dumb hot yeah. and she's like looking up at wade like do you think i'm like sexy enough to continue to be in this movie uh <laughs> exactly wade wade reassures her he's like oh no you're so beautiful and she has like this like extremely intriguing like birthmark on her face mm-hmm. which is like a bad like nod to philip k dick i feel like but yeah. like in a weird yeah. plagiaristic sort of way. I don't like, I don't know. I don't think anybody really handled Philip K. Dick books very well, movie wise. Uh, and that'll be a separate episode. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah. anyway, um, yeah. Ashley, that's a huge conversation. <laughs> that's a huge conversation they have in the book too. It, um, yeah. Except she's really, she's a lot more, she's a lot more like reluctant towards his advances in the book. Um, mm-hmm. She's not super into him right away. Yeah. Um, they kind of like, grow their relationship in an almost kind of naturalistic way, like over time, like he's in love with her right away. Cause he's been a fan of her from yeah. before he even meets her. Mm-hmm. Um, cause she, she's like a famous blogger or whatever. She's like Instagram famous. Was that um, in the movie? I don't actually remember. No, 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 okay. it wasn't in the movie. Like okay. they meet and but he, like they, you know, they chat and they get to know one another and then she kind of opens up to him. But eventually she is kind of like, Oh, I'm hideously disfigured. And then at the end it's like, yeah, she has a port wine, birthmark and that's yeah, her, uh, yeah it is a port wine birthmark okay and the, and the other thing is like she's included as like a she's supposed to be like a strong female lead right she's like in charge of this like group of rebels that are going to take down these evil corporations and restore agency to humanity right um but in the movie that gets twisted and like she can only have agency as a strong female character in helping wade watts become the hero of the story. Right. Which is really gross. It's really which, gross. and I will say, like, the representation of this movie is very pre 2010. Oh, yeah. Because all of the characters are included just like to help the uh-huh. main character. So, like, the uh-huh. representation is included to make the people who yeah. watch the movie feel good about 
this mm-hmm. thing they like having representation in it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually. They're they're like they're like Asian characters and black characters and like women in it, but they're all included as like helpers or sidekicks. Yep. So it definitely feels like it's more for like the white male audience than it is for oh, yeah. actually making the, anyone feel book, included. Yeah. The Asian, the two Japanese like quote unquote brothers in the book, they are so offensively written in my opinion. Like every other word out of their mouth is like. They or have honor. no honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, no. About and honor. And they're fucking bowing. So, oh, it's really tasteless. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Uh, actually, um oh, sorry. Uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting like this movie and the book are so fucking layered with like uh, easter eggs almost at every level. Like every goddamn level. Like uh what was it? Um Daito, his uh avatar suit is designed after Toshiro Mufune. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, who was a classic samurai actor in the 40s. Um, and then you get like uh, the fucking orb spell that they do in the movie. Uh, the spell itself is the Gaelic uh, like poem that they say in Excalibur, uh, which is okay, cool, 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 cool. And uh, just like... It, at least in that they put a decent amount of effort. They want you to, they want you to just lose your goddamn mind, like hitting that G spot over and over again on all these like Easter eggs and things. Like but it's not that like Ernest Klein actually like experienced all these things as part of his cultural experience. Right. Yeah. He, like he basically just went back to like syllabuses he saved from like whatever, like grad school media program he went through and just like picked a movie and a book out of every class. And he was like, this will make, this will make this book right. smart. Right. If I do all this shit. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, what do we call the... Okay, in the book, they're called Easter egg hunters. What do we call them? Like, what would be a good nickname for the people that are Easter egg hunters? I mean, we could just call them hunters or Easter egg hunters, but he nicknames, he nicknames them gunters yeah. in the in the book. So I don't yeah. know how often that phrase is used in the, every, in the book. Every paragraph. Oh, God. Every just paragraph. Just gunters, <laughs> just having to hear that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Just like a mm-hmm. bag of wet shit <laughs> hitting concrete over and over what again. Are, what do they call... What do they call... There's, they also have a term for... The, the people who work for the megacorp. Oh, Sixers. They have like a derogatory term for them. Sixers. Sixers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah, like their ID codes all have sixes in them. Yep, that's oh, what sixers. it was. Okay, that, that makes sense. But then okay, they call them Sixers. Like they like they condense it down even further and call them Sixers, which I'm like, that, oh, that, yeah. that, that wasn't necessary. Like, you don't need to. Sixers? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, 86 like, like, the Sixers. Okay. In like 20, in like 20, 49 or whatever year it's supposed to be we'd still be using leet speak oh yeah there's oh, like no. there's an like there's an offensive amount of leet speak in the book too yeah. an offensive amount <laughs> you know okay all of the okay so i've worked in a lot of kitchens mm-hmm. and in a lot of kitchens i used to work in like if somebody uh drops something right yeah. and they want to say something about it they'll be like oh fuck all my holes right <laughs> or like oh like piss on a shit or like you know just like something like that right something like a re- just like as foul as possible okay but in uh, but okay, but I worked at a kitchen at, at a vegetarian restaurant actually. Mm-hmm. That was like all these like really wholesome punk guys. Yeah. And the only thing that they thought was permissible to say in this kitchen was "wang my wang." <laughs> They'd be like, "Oh, that really wangs my wang. That really wangs my wang." <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Being so you couldn't say you couldn't just walk around being like, "Oh, fucking shit, man." Uh, yeah, right. Right. You're right. Wang you know? my wang. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a- so that's the vibe that. You get from that, yeah, yeah. That actually makes yeah. uh, it makes sense less wholesome, I think, uh, yeah. honestly. But uh, I think that was more just like, you know how, uh, like, when you're trying to like completely fill in world building, you'll try to force some language or some like hip slang or something, and it's almost like giving yourself a nickname. It's like, eh, babe, this uh, this isn't as practical or as catchy as you think it is. It's like, like the cowboy swearing in Firefly. Yeah. I do, I, you know, uh, I, I have a soft but spot for trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yes. <laughs> Go ram it. Um, but, but yeah, you know, you got to make it fit. But um, yeah, Ashley, babe, do you have any, uh, did you have any points about, uh, like what, what parts were the, of the book were the most like just catching for you? Like what, uh, what you got? Well, overall, I did not enjoy reading this book. Mm. Um, you did it in like a day. A, which, a huge, I, well, I didn't, I didn't read it in one sitting. I wasn't going to pick it back up after I set it down. So. <laughs> I nice. will say that I, I downloaded, I found a, a PDF um, to read it because I was not going to spend money on this. And 
the libraries are closed because it's the COVID times. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I read it in one go. Um, I found it incredibly tedious, uh, mostly because of the huge info dump and what an unlikable main character Wade is. Right. Um, and there were moments, you know, there was like a few moments here and there that I, I did sincerely enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you like, if you like this book, it's like, great, you know, the world sucks, you know, you got to find joy where you can. So please don't let us ragging on it ruin that experience for you. But yes, yeah, that's in general, um, I did not, I did not enjoy it. Um, Wade's super unlikable. It's all told from first person perspective, which is like a huge turnoff for me personally. Yeah. Um, but I think that it really, in this case made it super hard to read because Wade is so incredibly unlikable and so self-important and so misanthropic. Um, okay, but you've seen the movie, much, right? N- no, I skipped the, I skipped the movie. <laughs> you didn't the movie? Okay. okay, you would be so, like, you, I feel like you would feel really robbed by his... Yeah. Like, like I feel like you know the real Wade Watts. Like, people that read the book, like, know the real Wade. But in the movie, he's, like, such a little... Such a little... Himbo. Okay. The okay. Yeah. So the movie you've got himbo with. Okay. And and then in the book you've got kind of incel neckbeard Wade. You know. Definitely. That that, that's interesting. But does that make the story more interesting? Do you think that makes the story more or less interesting? A little bit. A little bit actually. But actually, because he at least has he at least has character growth. Mm-hmm. Like there is this kind of really self aware moment at the beginning of the of the book where he's describing his avatar, and he's like. Okay, so maybe like in real life, I have a lot more acne and I weigh a little bit more, but I pretty much look exactly like my avatar. And it's kind of like a funny, a funny beat of self-awareness on the part of the writing. Um, but eventually he does. He goes from being like poor, sad, neckbeard to rich, fit boy. So there's a lot of like of that kind of like um, yeah. wealth. He also did uh, like fantasy fulfillment happening, which could also be like the trajectories of Steven Spielberg and Ernest Klein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, but, I mean, um, like ultimately, my biggest complaint about the book is such a it's it's such a pedantic point, but I feel like I don't know who the narrator is telling the story to. Right, like clearly he's telling it to me, the reader, but it's like almost too aware of that fact. Because the way he describes things, it's like, if he's telling this story, he's like telling it in a way that he knows that I'm not from his world, quote unquote, which to me is really annoying. Um, It leads to just these pages and pages of info dumps. Also, every single character, we have to stop and Wade has to give you their entire backstory, which I find so annoying because I think as an author, absolutely you should know that the two Japanese characters who call themselves brothers aren't actually brothers and they met in the Oasis and they have this amazing relationship together. Like, yes, Ernest Klein, you as the author should know that. Me as a reader, I do not need you to stop the story and spend have Wade spend five pages describing that relationship to me. No. And he does that for every single thing. He's constantly just dropping all the action in favor of giving you extraneous details Mm-hmm. that it just, he needs a better editor, honestly. You know, okay. there were moments here and there I really enjoyed. Like right toward the end, right before the final battle, all these ships are flying in and he's kind of describing all the different cruisers that everyone's in and, and describing them converging on this planet. And it was a genuinely enjoyable moment reading it. I was like, this is really fun. This is cool. I wish the whole book was this, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not. <laughs> but it's not. No. What was it? It was like 350 pages and it. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like just shy of 400 pages. But I swear to God, like I had to look it up how many pages it was. Because if you would have asked me before I looked it up, I would have said it was like 600. <laughs> the movie has that same tendency of like not trusting you to like enjoy the story mm-hmm. as its own thing. But like right. having to beat you over the head with it because the movie assumes you're an idiot. So like you don't get to enjoy what's happening in the movie. You are forced to enjoy it like as like a technical feat, right? Like, right. Yeah. You're not. You're not. Yeah. You're not like. There's no suspension of disbelief or immersion or anything. There's just like a. You get to like wonder at what Steven Spielberg and Ernest Klein have made, right? Not right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And that's like, um, it's kind of the opposite of what we, when we were talking about Miyazaki, like Miyazaki trusts you to infer things about his world based on tiny little details. And he doesn't feel a need to, to explain everything. And the book, this book is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Every single thing. And it's even worse because like every reference, instead of just letting you like enjoy the reference and be like, Oh, I recognize that thing. Like Ernest Klein has to take an entire paragraph to explain to you why you should get that reference and where that reference is from. And because it's first person perspective, you could argue that that was like a conscious choice on his part to have Wade be that way. Like that's just the kind of narrator Wade is, but I don't think that's the case. I think that Klein just sincerely thought like he's that clever and you as an audience wouldn't get it if he didn't explain it to you. It's definitely the setting for an I spy book you know like those old like uh kids books the collages of things that you have to like pick out all the shit oh out. god yeah yeah I those books. yeah exactly they were great but uh <laughs> he definitely like ramped that up to a hundred uh like in a i don't know like with this dystopian setting that's what kind of blows my mind about this that like both versions of this is like the world is melting like around this like game in fact the game is kind of a big problem for the world going into decline because everyone's ignoring their problems and moving everything over to this like digital world and they they don't address any of that and in fact like the solution in the movie is just like oh we took tuesdays and thursdays off now we're like living our lives and it's like no you no 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 you're okay not. okay yeah no it's really fucked up okay so there's for those of you who haven't seen the movie which is mercifully like many of you <laughs> uh, there's gregarious games right which is like Halliday's company and then that he kind of started and him and this guy named Ogden Ogden made the Oasis right mm-hmm. um, and then the Oasis really caught on and then there's also IOI mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. inter- interactive online uh, innovations in- innovations or something like that yeah, right yeah, yeah. which is like the bad corporation that's like Ooh, I, I, guess, I guess their thing is like they have like and they have products too like they they have like why do they exist they have rigs that work with uh that system okay yeah so yeah. they just make like okay so they just make like gamer gear yeah basically, yeah exactly right? but they want to like Beach. they want to find the easter eggs to get um control of the oasis mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. okay but it, like it, in in the world if you owe money you probably owe money to IOI, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they can come and arrest you. Yeah. They can perform a corporate arrest, I guess, yeah. and take you to a loyalty center where you have to play in the Oasis to farm in-game currency for yeah. them or something like that, right? I, so it's like, so it's this really gross, like Black Mirror type thing, right? Where right. people who who were it's it's basically like the worst thing that could happen to you in the universe of this movie yeah, is to yeah. wind up in a loyalty center, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they um, basically make you an indentured game. servant. Um, okay, which is like which presents a lot of things, right? Because if Gregarious Games is like this nice like uh, Walt Disney esque corporation, why are they allowing their software to be used this way, right? Yeah, which is a question that the movie doesn't answer, and maybe that's like pedantic. Maybe that's like you know whatever like it's boring. Like yeah. maybe that's like a you know, maybe that doesn't need to be answered, but there are just like other questions like, like, so there, there has to be a way that like gregarious games could stop the use of the Oasis for that purpose. Right. Like there's no, if you think about it at all, like they are as a corporation, probably just as complicit in all of these like gross corporate evils as IOI is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things that aside from just like, intense disliking of Wade uh, is, and it, I really hate Holiday a lot um, because like in the book, you learn, you learn so much about him and everything you learn about him is super annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing I find the most offensive is like, he's in love with Ogden's wife forever. Like since like high school, which is such a, I just hate that show. It's so gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it like ruins that the friendship that he's that's like in like love a, with his best friend's wife or whatever. But then that's like a trope the for end, that, yeah. That, but that's like a trope for like Spielberg Zemeckis characters is to like have a thing for a woman that's not interested in them, right? I mean, yeah. And that's like romanticized. But, and it's I mean it's super romanticized and super gross. Um, but it's also like in the book at the end, uh, Wade gets the Easter egg and he gets a message from Holiday, and the message is essentially like, "Go outside and play." I wasted all my life on the Oasis. 
And it's like, but if you actually believed that, why did you set up this elaborate Easter egg hunt, you egotistical <laughs> megalomaniac? <laughs> If that was your entire point of this egg hunt was like, go outside and play, don't just let fantasy rule your whole life like I did, and then you force the world, essentially, by virtue of your billions of dollars into this... Like, Halliday is like the like like Mark... Halliday is more like Mark Zuckerberg. Like, he created this, like, addictive, like... Yeah, you know this like thing that it exploits all the worst parts of human psychology and, then just and hands off, yeah, mm-hmm. right. and just like lets it ruin society and then right. like also makes a shit ton of money off of it. But the th- okay, the thing about like the like I guess like the messaging of the movie is that it's it's inconsistent except in one area, which like all Spielberg movies have this point of like trying to tell you that, um, you know, like. For like literally, the imagination of suburban children is yeah. the most powerful, wholesome thing there is in the world. Right, right. which is right. dumb. It's it's a non message. And then the other thing is that like institutions, whether they be the American government, IOI, GG, mm-hmm. or whatever, in in any movie, right, right. Yeah. Uh, aren't like are intentionally evil. They don't like intend to cause suffering. There are like maybe bad actors within them, or they are like ignorant or uninformed. Mm-hmm. But like ultimately, that like. Specifically, American institutions always have people's best interests at heart, right. which is one of the more like annoying um, kind of, God, it's just like an innuendo. It's like all Steven right. Spielberg movies are just like this gross, like pro Reagan era propaganda. Mm. And it kind of seems it really comes across in this movie, but like kind yeah. of to disastrous effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. it, it kind of seems like between the book and the movie, you get kind of this message of like, okay. Uh, we'll take our individualist victories and we'll ignore the things that we can't control or what, like, they feel too big, like environmental uh, disaster and just, like, war on a mass scale and shit like that. But it's, like, uh, but not taking responsibility for, like, the micro uh, things that snowball into these massive problems, like uh, like gregarious games, like building this amazing immersive world, but, like, not taking any kind of responsibility. Yeah, this, shit, this shit is so neutered. Like in the movie, <laughs> in the movie, Artemis gets to like, she gets face to face with the CEO of IOI, who's like the main villain who mm-hmm. killed her father, basically. Yeah, yeah. Who is uh, the bad guy of the film. Yeah, she yeah. has a gun to his head and she doesn't just blow his brains out and, and like solve everyone's problem. I mean, like yeah. he, he's like, he's like, he's the, he's really kind of the only actual bad actor in the movie. Right. And he clearly needs to go because he's the he's one causing everyone a- suffering in the movie. And then they put her in a place where she could literally just fucking... Yeah, ice them, and then they don't let her do it. They don't let her do that because the well, because, because, because the movie doesn't want to have any like actual radical message. Like the movie doesn't want to like actually tell anyone to do anything away. to make their lives better. They just want you to fucking suffer <laughs> and continue to play this fucking video game <laughs> and go watch the next like dumb fucking Transformers movie or whatever. Which is which is the, but the, also the, we yeah. can't we Ugh. can't have Artemis taking away from 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 our Wade. Boy, yeah. Wade, Wade's hero oh, moment. Like yeah. good lord. Man, he like his leveling up in the book is really unbelievable. Like he goes from like oh, mer, 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 he, doesn't even, he doesn't even have enough money to like leave the planet. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, it, <laughs> his school planet, and then he like by the end of it is like one of the richest dudes in the Oasis. <laughs> right, right, and then uh, he turns into fucking Jason Bourne when he realizes that IOI is after him. He like you know mm-hmm. is able to hack and and he's like oh I've been under him this whole time. Oh and, yeah, God, I, I love how I love how like uh, there's just there's no problem that Wade hasn't already solved by virtue of things he chose to do prior to the events of the story. Exactly. Like when he like goes into IOI um, headquarters, because in the book, I guess um, I, you guys told me this uh, via our conversations that yeah. Artemis is the one who is taken by IOI. But yep. in the book, um, Wade actually like turns himself in as this kind of like subterfuge plan. Um, and he's like, he goes into this whole thing like, a while back, I was on the message boards and someone said they had security codes for IOI and I bought them and it turns out that they were right. Oh, isn't that super lucky for me? And it's just like, is there, is there like, or like, you know, even in the first challenge, he's like, I just happened to have played a shit ton of this video game that I need for this challenge. Like, there's no, there's nothing that Wade faces that he hasn't already, like, hasn't already conquered. There's no. It's a little do every problem he comes up against, he has the solution for. So it's 
it, it doesn't really feel like there's any stakes ultimately. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <sighs> oh, Wade. Uh, the one thing that you guys were telling me that really gets my goat is the the one uh, the one up coin. The extra oh, life coin. yeah, that was weird. That was interesting. So, yeah, in uh, actually, uh, you yeah, in the book, he fucking plays the Pac Man, the perfect game of Pac Man, and he gets the fucking token. And then, uh, what was it in the movie? If he, somebody told me they played, if somebody walked up to me and said, "Hey, I just played the perfect game of Pac Man," I'd beat the fuck out of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh oh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's just, I, I like. I liked it because. I liked that moment in the book. That was one of the moments I actually really enjoyed because it didn't get him anywhere seemingly, but you know, as the reader, you're like, Oh, Chekhov's gun. He's got this item in his, in his inventory. Like it's going to come up again, but it's a really, it's a really like slow, nice moment in the book. And it has a really satisfying payoff. Like, um, do you you feel that like, hmm? Uh, do you do you feel that like so? Uh, Ready Player One is built like the hero's journey. You know, like you get the you get the humble beginnings, you get the meeting of the uh, following of the mentor, you get the blah 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 going home disaster. I mean, blah. Not really though, because usually the hero's journey needs like an inciting incident or right. a mistake <laughs> on the part of the protagonist. <laughs> he just like skipped the start of the story. He just did it. <laughs> 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 oh no um yeah um like he doesn't like i mean i guess kind of the inciting incident would be like when he figures out the first yeah the first clue so maybe sort of sort of okay maybe i'm stretching it there mostly what i was trying to say was uh like you know that part uh after after they get uh the main character whoever it is gets the shit kicked out of them and then they have to reset or like have a moment where they're just like in themselves and they're not like uh, taking in a whole bunch of other external influences. And then they're able to come to an epiphany where they're like, Oh, okay, this is what I need to change about myself. This is what I need to rethink and I need to approach and, Oh, I've let go of this baggage and now I can fly and fight God. Um, And like, I, I feel like in the book, you're supposed to get that with Pac-Man. Like it was supposed to be him getting back to what he loved about the egg hunt. And then, and then, and then it's the coin. He's rewarded for that. Cool. Um, kind of wish he wasn't. Cause I mean, those moments in life, that hard work is not usually rewarded in, the, in such a direct way, but, 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 uh, so he gets that and he just, he doesn't do anything different. He doesn't fucking do anything no, different. No, no, absolutely. All because he doesn't have to change his course. Because like at that point in the book, I'm pretty sure Artemis, um, his one friend who his name I can't remember, and a bunch H. of the Sixers have already found the second egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe no, maybe the Sixers haven't yet. Mm-hmm. But long story short, like at you know at that point in the book, he is kind of at a low point. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't gotten anywhere, and then his friend just like basically tells him the location of the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he doesn't oh have to God. change his behavior at all. Everyone or is approaching anyway. Uh, just yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like okay. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the no, whole... it is. It's totally, it's totally supposed to be. You're right. Like from a narrative standpoint, it's supposed to be that point in the journey where the main character is super low. Mm-hmm. You know, feels like uh, you know, that a moment of failure. But that, yeah, you're right. That is generally from a narrative standpoint, like the point of epiphany or the point where like the change, the shift toward the the later character, the character growth starts to happen. But in Wade's case, absolutely not. Uh, nothing changes. Well, well, okay. well, nothing be, of course that doesn't happen because it would, like, it would lose them. It would lose the audience of the story if that's what happened because the whole conceit of like, wait, the book came out in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole thing about like nerd culture then mm-hmm. was that like there wasn't anything, like the world was changing a little bit. Like mm-hmm. art and media were becoming like maybe more inclusive, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, even though these... You know, there had always been another like world of, of artists that weren't just like white men obsessed with like like video games and yeah, uh, shit like that, right? Yeah. But it would, they were they they were getting to a point where they were feeling like the winds of change, right? This is like I you know mm-hmm. like in the midst of Gamer Game, this book came out, yeah, or yeah. of Gamergate, yeah, or like right after or something like that. I think it right? was like so right like the in whole it. the whole conceit of nerd culture was that like they already had everything contained within them that that yeah. they didn't need to do anything different. They weren't doing anything wrong. There was no need to be self reflective or. Yeah do anything introspective or uh, change anything about Mm -hmm. 
anything they did. So, of course, that doesn't happen to Wade because that's not the point. For reference, Big Bang Theory came out around the same time. uh, If that gives you reference on the time period. but um, It was like, okay to be a nerd because it had been so rough being a nerd before, (sighs) right? Yeah, and uh, it's... It's gamers right it's a it's a gamers rise now, up book now to be fair to be fair when uh in the book when he gets to the like final challenge he's about to go in and do the thing and he's like no i want you all you, everybody i want you to realize that i'm only going to be taking this because like uh, oh my god wait Watts' character is like the nerd that pat oswalt plays on reno 911 <laughs> you guys know who i'm talking about oh like lord booze hammer or something like that oh ashley do you know god. who i'm talking about yeah. Oh god, that's that's Wade Watts basically. I ha- okay, I've got homework now. Um but <laughs> fuck. Um okay, so my Wait, oh in the final <laughs> challenge he doesn't even he doesn't even he doesn't even change then. It's all because of his hubris that they almost end up losing. Yeah, yeah. And he, that's like what allows the Sixers time to set off like the big grenade or whatever. Oh, he's so he's such a I don't care for this protagonist. I don't no, ma'am. care for him. Yes. Uh yeah. I think it's uh I think it's this is this has been really interesting read because it's like so uh like as somebody that has done super nerd shit my whole life, um, there have definitely been people that are impressed person. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. No. <laughs> fucking. Fucking. Don't put words in my mouth. So, um, as uh, yeah. So people have tried to like uh, be like, oh, you like this thing, right? It's kind of like that trope of like when you're drawing something in public and people are like, is that anime? Uh, and it's. <laughs> I heard anime. You know? So, uh, yeah. So, like, I feel like when people suggest this book to nerdy-ass people, it's kind of like, oh, oh, I see. This is what you think this is. This is, okay. And, like, that feeds into the whole Gamergate thing. is because, like, everybody wants to wave a banner. Everybody wants to, like, be a part of, like, a tribe and have, like, something cool and interesting represent them. And I think on a deep level, that's where stories really come from is, like, distilling of values and like um things to aspire to and exemplify and retell and like everybody wants to be under that banner it's why fucking star wars is such a thing uh and so and harry potter it's like those came with like personality traits built in all you got to do is just run with it and so like this this story decided to take all of those banners all of them all at once and just go blah, 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 blah. and like it's and just fucking the movie is masturbatory the book is very like condescending it's just it's been really interesting to get a vibe on that and uh kind of feel out it's been said before yeah. that the next one is called ready player two yeah yeah, yeah. but it's still from wade's perspective so there is no player two so that it should book, that the, book would, the book would more accurately be called Ready Player One Two. <laughs> just, just, what's, just like culturally, what's upsetting to me yeah. about the Ready Player One moment is that the dude that gets blamed for starting the civil war that everyone is afraid of in this country mm-hmm. is going to have a copy of Ready Player One in his backseat. What? <laughs> what? Okay, that's fun. Um, oh, uh, so, so many people recommended this book to me when it was uh, first out, and I'm I'm kind of secretly wondering if all those people have a very different idea of me than I have of myself. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, what's like, represented. This is what you think I like. <laughs> this is this is what you think of me. So the gamer's oh dilemma. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> So, uh, we're getting to the end of our hour. I'm going to end us on at least a decent bit of trivia about this. Um, and it's not, it's not one that has to do with anything directly in the movie or the book. Um, so the film, uh, the actual reels, when they were sent out to theaters, um, they were, uh, disguised, uh, and they were labeled as deep blue, which was the name of the supercomputer that beat the, uh, chess grandmaster gary kasparov uh i apologize if i mispronounced his name um but yeah so i don't know just like 
layers upon layers. There's like really interesting bits of things in there. It's just like, it's a bouquet that's made entirely of the cheapest roses and baby breath enough to choke it. And so it's just, it's just this cataclysm of too much. Um, oh, I think we would, we'd be remiss not to mention the most interesting piece of trivia about Ernest Klein. Oh yeah. What? Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got his start. He got his start as a slam poet in Austin, Texas, in like 2001. Yeah, yeah. So if you had the chance to look that up, and by the way, when we critique these books, it's like I appreciate anybody that decides to like put a story together, get it published, like fucking hustle, hustle, whatever, do your thing. It's just very. Uh, I will not agree with some of the things that you write, and uh, I think it's I think it's really interesting uh, when you put yourself out there and what people figure out about you uh, when that is put out. So, for those of you that enjoyed it, please don't take this as shade. You do you. I'm sure there's something in there that everybody can like. That's mainly what it's made for. But um, as for the three of us, I think it's pretty uh, unanimous that maybe we weren't a big fan of this one. I give this movie one iron giant sneaking into the lava <laughs> with his thumbs Terminator down. 2. <laughs> oh, that was the most fat I, book I of give, all time. I give the, I give the book um, negative one Godzilla mechas. Oh, oh wow. That's no. wow. That's harsh. Um, all right, my darlings, thank you for listening to this episode of rendition. Uh, and, um, I guess we'll see you next time, babes. Adios. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling, sports bar-dwelling alpha males, men who like their women stupid and submissive, men who can only get it up for monosyllabic, cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected, liposuction women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they have been told to look. These aren't real women, they're objects. And these movies aren't erotic, they're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on, they disgust me, and it's not that I'm against pornography, I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact, like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein, guys need porn. But I don't wanna watch this misogynist he-man woman hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horned rim glasses. Betty Finabowski, the valedictorian, oh yes. First I want to copy her trig homework, and then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica.